Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Say by the Dumbbell podcast with your host, Coach Micah Smith. And this episode is the one year anniversary since I began this podcast last year in May. So I wanted to do something special. Obviously, this episode is going to be a Q&A episode. I gave some fans some opportunity to ask some questions a few days ago on my Instagram. But I'm also doing a giveaway. And here is how you're going to enter the giveaway, and here's what you're going to get. So first of all, I'm giving away a $200 Gymshark gift card and eight weeks of one-on-one coaching in my coaching program, The Forever Fit Project. And here is what you have to do in order to enter to win this giveaway. You're going to have to go and follow Save by the Dumbbells IG to be able to find this post. So it's at saved underscore by the dumbbell on Instagram. Find the post for the giveaway and tag as many friends as you'd like because every tag equals one entry and you also need to share it to your story. So that's pretty much all you have to do is follow Sable the Dumbbell podcast on Instagram, which again is just at saved underscore by the dumbbell and then like and tag your friends in the giveaway post and share that post to your story. So let's get into the intro and get into the Q&A. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode. This is episode number 54, um, and this is exactly one year Um since I started the podcast. So even though it's episode 54, I release one a week. It's kind of weird because you're like, there's 52 weeks in a year. Whatever. Anyways, it works out because I believe it was May 27th was the official first episode release. So, you know, and I'm recording this on the 24th. But anyways, guys, this is a Q&A episode. So a few days ago on my Instagram, I put a couple different um, stories up asking for questions. You could ask me anything. So there are some, you know, personal questions. There are some fitness related questions, which is great. Um, so I want to dive into that. I think we have about seven, eight, eight questions total that I thought were, you know, podcast worthy, um, just to give you guys some insight. So some questions obviously were inappropriate. There's always some of those funny guys, you know, on Instagram, but 
Although it would be funny to answer them, but very, some of them are very personal. But anyways, let's dive into the episode. Um, and don't forget to enter the giveaway if you guys um, have not done so already. Um, again, I really appreciate everybody who has taken the time to tune into my podcast and listen to each and every episode, you know, whether it's all the way through or not. Um, you know, I really just hope that there's been an episode out there for you that you've taken some value from. And, you know, I'm getting better at not only delivering the message that I want to deliver, but also, um, you know, discovering how I can better help people. You know, obviously I've been a um, online fitness coach now for the last almost three years and then a personal trainer for almost three years before that. Um, And I feel like, you know, the more that I've helped people, the better I get at, you know, keeping people accountable, but just mo- like motivating people. Like, cause I think that motivation is the key to kind of get people started. And I think some coaches are really great at motivating people. I think some coaches are great at actually creating a plan of action. And I think there's levels to it all. And we need kind of all these different types of, of fitness coaches out there for all stages of the journey to becoming better, right? You know, there's the physical side and there's the mental side. You know, you need some people to help get you started, get you on your feet. We need some people to help educate you more in depth. Um, We have some people that are just simply there to help keep you going once you've started, Um, you know, and then obviously the specifics, you know, people that give you the actual actions in terms of like the actual workout plan and, you know, the actual diet plan. And, you know, I think there's, there's a different style of coach out there for everybody and in, in different stages of your fitness journey, right? So, you know, there's never really, I think, a, a one coach fits all, you know, out there. There might be, but I think that, you know, it's, it's important to um, respect the methods that uh, other coaches have, right? And then, you know, I'm, and basically what I'm getting at is like, I'm sort of fine tuning my method of coaching people and my precise uniqueness in how I'm going to um, help improve people's lives and and how I'm going to get the message across. But anyways, um, enough lambering on that. Let's go right into these questions here. So like I said, I didn't choose too many personal questions about myself. I just wanted to... um, you know, really dive into some like specific questions to help provide some value with people who are actually struggling with certain things. So question number one, and this was actually asked twice in in kind of um, two different ways. So when and how to make a calorie slash macro adjustment in your diet, right? So the first thing that I would look at when being asked this question is obviously, what is your goal? You know, how long have you been dieting for and again, what are your calories? What are your macros? And like I say in every podcast, consistency is key. And if you know if you're not consistent with whatever your calories and macros are currently set at, um, then that would be rule number one. There doesn't really need to be any adjustment if you're not consistent, right? Like if you're only consistent, let's say four days out of seven in a week, are you actually hitting your calories and your macros relevantly close? I would say within a one to two hundred calorie um, range, like a variance close to your goal, like then you don't need an adjustment. You just need to be more consistent, you know, try to get six days a week or even just seven days a week for two weeks straight or something like that. So you can see 
how your body's going to shift. Um, but let's say you are consistent and you know, you're stuck in a plateau again, we need to know what the goal is. So whether you're trying to gain muscle, gain strength or drop some body fat, you know, get shredded, you know, while holding on to muscle, of course, um, you know, if you've been in a plateau for two or three weeks on the same amount of calories then you're probably ready for a macro or calorie adjustment. Now, again, when we adjust the calories, we're also adjusting the macros because obviously those calories have to come from somewhere. So obviously we need to be in a deficit. Let's say our, our goal is, is fat loss. And that's what we focus on here the most in this podcast. So our goal is fat loss and we, we haven't been seeing results and we've been consistent with the same amount of calories. So we need to either, we can adjust our diet, right? But if you're already exercising, let's say every single day, um, at least 60 minutes, whether that's lifting or cardio, sometimes it's, it's not always the answer just to keep adding in more exercise, especially cardio is really the, the variable that you want to increase or decrease your weightlifting should really always remain the same. Um, now if you're already doing, let's say a ton of cardio, you, cause you really need to assess whether it's appropriate for you to knock your calories down. Cause you might already be eating quite a little amount. Um, and that's going to affect again, your performance and your workouts. So you have to be careful about that. Um, but assess whether you're doing, if you're not doing any cardio at all, before you drop your calories or look for a diet adjustment, increase the actual movement, right? If you're doing, let's say 45 minutes to 60 minutes of weightlifting, let's say three to four times a week, there's definitely lots of room there for you to be adding in some more cardio and choose a form of cardio that you like. And it doesn't even have to be an every single day cardio, like don't jump the gun and just start adding in a bunch of cardio. I would just highly recommend um, doing maybe 15 minutes or even 10 minutes after each lifting session. Or maybe if you want to keep it separate from your lifting, maybe start off in the morning with a 20 minute cardio session two or three times a week, right? Because you look at your week from a whole, from a calorie perspective and, you know, obviously exercise and reducing the intake of calories, you know, obviously creates that deficit for fat loss. So, you know, when you start doing cardio, you know, moderately intense cardio, let's say three times a week at 20 minutes, you could be burning anywhere from, you know, 800 to a thousand extra calories per week. And that stacks up, you know, in three and a half weeks, there's an extra pound that you wouldn't have lost. Um, so, you know, if you're already sort of doing a lot of exercise and you've already been going that route, you know, that's when you want to kind of knock down your diet, right? And a lot of people don't have the time for a bunch of extra cardio. And we really don't want to do a ton of cardio because obviously that affects the recovery and that can affect, you know, how we hold on to muscle as well. So, um, you know, you really have to assess what you can handle and how your recovery is. And that's really going to dictate everything. But like, really, you don't need a huge drop in calories every time you need to adjust, right? So I would say every five pounds that you've lost, maybe drop, you know, 100 calories, maybe even more than that. And you might, might have to wait till you drop 10 pounds. It really depends on how much you have to lose, right? If someone has 100 pounds of body fat that their goal is to lose, they might not need an adjustment on their diet for the first 10 to 15 pounds lost. But if you're someone who has the goal of only losing 10 pounds and you're already, let's say you're already lean, but you're trying to get really lean, you know, you want to, um, you know, drop your, your calories down a little bit more frequently by lesser doses. Um, that's how I would kind of go about it. And again, cardio is going to be a big thing for that person that's already lean. Someone who has a lot of weight to lose doesn't really have to rely on a ton of exercise. A lot of the basic movements are going to help get them there. 
But yeah, you know, don't drop your calories by a whole lot. And when you adjust your calories and your macros, when you're taking away calories and when you're looking at what macronutrient to actually drop down, it's always going to be carbs is the priority. That's the one that's really going to fluctuate, you know, up or down, whether you're increasing or lowering your calories. And then fats you could also utilize if you're someone who is very carb dependent, then you could play with your fats. But again, your carbs, realistically, you can take all the way down to almost nothing, like no carbs at all. Fats, on the other hand, you can't really do that. You don't want to go without any fat in your diet because, you know, your hormones are very dependent on these fatty acids. And then, of course, the absorption of a lot of vitamins are, are dependent on these fatty acids that you want to get through your diet. So it's important to make sure that you cut off at a certain point how much you're decreasing your fat intake. So... Hopefully that helps a little bit. So at the end of the day, when you're making a diet adjustment, um, wait until about two weeks without seeing any progress at all, if you're consistent, um, and always try to pull from your carbohydrates as much as you can, um, because that is the one that is going to be the easiest to play with, with no repercussions, right? Um, again, it might affect your energy a little bit, but you will adapt to that over time. So that is my advice there. All right, number two, how do you stay motivated to drink the amount of water you need to drink? Um, okay, well, here was my strategy. I've always been pretty good with drinking water, um, although I am drinking a monster right now. Heads up, zero sugar. The original, just seen it came out today, I don't know. Probably didn't come out today, but I just seen it today, so I've never, um, you know, pretty interesting. The OG monster is the best. Anyways, back to the question. Here's what I did. And this is what I always tell my clients. You need timers. And one thing that really helped me was I have this handy dandy bottle. And it's got a little color thing around the bottom. It's, it lights up. And it tries to keep me on track to whatever I set my goal at. So whatever my goal is, I need to be drinking such and such amount of water by a specific time in order for me to be on track. My bottle will blink and send me a notification to my phone to remind me to drink water if I am falling behind, if it knows that I might not hit my goal by the end of the day based on the speed at which I'm drinking my water. So what you can do is just set timers on your phone um, throughout the day that hopefully you'll remember is for drinking water. So my trick is to drink out of one liter bottles because you don't want it too big where it's annoying to carry around, but you don't want it too small where you're going to have to always keep refilling your water bottle. One liter, I think, is the sweet spot, and it makes it easier to track, right? So first thing in the morning, you fill it up. You know when it's gone, you've drank a full liter. You know, and you fill it up again. You know when that's gone, you've drank two liters. So if your goal is three to four liters, which most people are going to be around that range, um, you know, it just makes it easy to drink, you know, three of these bottles or four of these bottles and make sure you're setting timers that go off to remind you to drink water. Cause you know, I th it's not the actual drinking of the water that's hard, um, or even the quantity that's hard. It's mostly the remembering to drink it. It's, it really doesn't require motivation for me. I've never really required motivation to drink water. It's just been remembering to drink water. You know, we get busy or we leave the house, we don't take water with us and we're gone for hours and then it ruins our whole day of staying on track with the water. So I think really just it comes down to reminders and making sure that you always have access to water. That's, you know, 
It's, I don't think it's really about motivation at all. Um, okay, question number three. I started creatine, I gained five pounds. When will it level out? Now, water retention is very, very common with creatine. Obviously, wherever creatine gets stored, which is within the muscle, the water also gets stored there. Um, but not everybody will experience water retention when it comes to creatine. I know some people will gain a bunch of weight, um, which is really usually unnoticeable weight. Um, I don't really know many people that have seen a, a huge physical difference within the first week of taking creatine. I really just don't think that happens very often, if at all. Um, it didn't happen for me. I don't think it happens with anyone that I, you know, any of my clients who take creatine. Um, but obviously water retention is a thing and you will, a lot of people will see an increase on the scale and that's just water retention. And as far as like leveling out goes, there really is no leveling out. It's just you're on, your creatine levels are higher. Your water retention is a little bit higher. You know, it's not bad water retention your weight probably won't go back down unless you go off of creatine. And even then, a lot of times your weight might not go back down. Um, for me, when I first started creatine 10, 10 plus years ago, my weight shot up by eight pounds in the first month. And, you know, as a broke teenager, once I ran out of creatine, oftentimes I wouldn't have any money to purchase more creatine. And my weight never fluctuated with being on or off creatine. Like my weight never went back down. Um, so, you know, it's hard to say, I don't think it's really going to level out. I don't, I really don't think it's anything to worry about. You know, if you gain weight off creatine, it's not something that you have to like go do a bunch of cardio to get rid of that weight. It's not bad weight. It's not unhealthy weight. It's just, there's more, more water retention within your muscles. And if anything, there are benefits to that in terms of hydration and in terms of performance within your workout, um, which is a part of why creatine is so great. So, you know. And, and like I say, not everyone experiences this water retention. Um, some people might be thinking, what are you talking about? There's no water retention with creatine or, you know, I didn't experience any. And that is very common too. I think it's actually more common for people to not experience anything different on the scale than for people to experience even a five pound increase, especially, um, you know, I don't know how long it's been that this person started creatine, but um, you know, like I say, it's for me, I, I went up eight pounds in the first month I was using it when I was younger. I also did the typical loading phase back then because that was what at that time had been said to be very, very beneficial in terms of speeding up the process of the effects of creatine and the benefits of creatine, which has now kind of been shown that you don't really need the loading phase. So, you know, and the loading phase is essentially taking like, you know, you're trying to get the body saturated with creatine. So the faster you can get it there, the, the more, the quicker the benefits are going to come. And you would typically just take like 10 to 20 grams per day for the first five to seven days, and then just go back down to a five gram per day uh, maintenance phase, which nowadays you can pretty much just start with five grams a day. But again, five grams is just relevant to um, the size of the person, you know, it's just like a standard amount where, you know, smaller individuals, let's say, five to 120 pounds might only need three grams of creatine per day as a maintenance to maintain, you know, optimal creatine levels for the benefits where a larger individual, five grams might not be enough. It might be closer to eight grams or 10 grams a day for them to keep their creatine levels at an optimal place to actually reap the benefits. So that five grams a day type of thing is really just uh, a standard that is easy to kind of 
go by for most people because it's really hard to tell how much creatine you actually need. Um, but you know, larger and smaller individuals are going to have various, you know, different needs in terms of creatine every single day. Um, okay. Question number four, what does your tattoo say on the inside of your arm? Now I have a few tattoos on my arm, but I'm guessing this is the one that they are talking about simply because it's writing. Now this is a Bible verse. This is Philippians 4.13, which is, I can do all things, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And basically, that was my very first tattoo. Um, if you want to know the real reason why I got it. No, I grew up in a very Christian home. Um, I wouldn't even say religious, obviously partly religious. Christ a lot of people will be like, Christianity's a religion. Um, we were like, we're what you call non-denominant. So we didn't have like a set category of religion that we followed where our church was very open to whatever, right? As long as you believed in God and you believed in the Bible and whatnot. Um, and I was raised that way. My family is, you know, our family owns a church uh, and whatnot. So the Bible was a very dominant part of my upbringing. And, you know, overcoming fear and, and the fear of failure is something that obviously I think a lot of us struggle with. I think everyone does, um, you know, and obviously I do. So I found that Bible verse to be very, you know, motivating to know that, especially when you believe in God, that there's, there's a higher power out there that can give you, not necessarily give you the strength, but show you the way to the strength that you need if you are, you know, willing to accept it. And, you know, it's just... It, it, another reason too is that um, I figured, you know, for my first tattoo, if I got a Bible verse, can my parents really be mad at me? You know, it's like one of those things. It's like tattoos are not, you know, when we were growing up, I think we kind of were taught that they were something that bad people did, but it really, that's kind of diminished over time. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of a, I think it's a safe way to, to break the ice on getting tattoos. <laughs> um, number five, it's clear that you love what you do. What do you love most about it? Um, okay. So first of all, obviously I'm a personal trainer, an online fitness coach. Um, it's weird saying actually online personal trainer because it's not as personal as like personal trainer. Like when I'm, I still do personal training, but it's not when, you, when it's online, it's not obviously on that level of personal. So it's weird to say online personal trainer. So I say online fitness coach because with the online side of things, I feel like I'm coaching. Anyways, um, but it's hard because I have to really think about what actually gets me excited. Like when I think about the moments that make me, you know, give me chills or make me grin from ear to ear and just almost jump out of my chair. There's a few moments that I really remember especially starting off in the online space. Um, there's a couple things that come to mind in terms of like getting me excited. Well, number one is that, so every Tuesday, I, I call it for myself, Transformation Tuesday. So every day there's like a little different, there's like a different focus point that I do in terms of work. And Tuesdays is when I go through all of my clients' progress photos from the previous check-in and I compare them to before. And that is one of my favorite parts of the week because there's been moments that I can think about where I've taken someone's photo, really just not expecting too much. And then 
you know, you, I almost don't even notice it week to week. And then I look at it from the very first photo and then it's like, it's such a huge difference from that new photo and that old photo that it just, it makes me super excited. And sometimes I'm just like, I'm almost just like, you know, fist in the air, jumping up because it's such a, that is why I do what I do, right? Getting somebody to that point is, is, is what I do what I do. And it makes me feel very accomplished. That's probably the most accomplished that I will feel about this job. So that's a big part of it is just really seeing the transformation. Um, and, and not even just the transformation of like, you know, I post small wins on my Instagram account all the time. And it's not even just like, um, seeing physical changes, but seeing someone's mindset go from like, I can't do this. I don't know what to do to, Oh, this is easy. I can't wait for tomorrow's workout. You know, like things like that. When they start saying things like that and their language changes, that's also very rewarding. Um, the second part I had to ask, I have to add something else is the, the conversations that I have before someone actually joins. Right. So obviously with what I do is, you know, I'm a fitness coach, so I coach people, but I work alone. So in order for me to actually do this job, I have to have enough people in my program for me to, you know, be able to make money and be able to pay my bills and whatnot and, and do this as a sole, as my sole source of income. I have to have a certain amount of people. So that requires um, a great deal of marketing and sales that I have to do a lot of research for to do properly and also spend a lot of time doing. So I spend a large portion of my time having conversations, uh, sending out DMs and just chatting with people who are talking to me and asking questions about fitness. And my favorite part is when someone messages me just out of curiosity and they have all these doubts, they're telling me what they're struggling with, they're um, not sure if they can even afford it or make it work. And, you know, we're just chatting back and forth and just sort of watching that transition into them in disbelief. And after maybe a few days of chatting, you know, they're at the point where they're just like, I can do this. Uh, you know, I think I'm going to take the leap and invest into this because it's, you know, clearly we're here having this conversation for, you know, a few days now. And it's like, it's not leaving my mind to accomplish this. It's it's like, if I don't do this now, I will continue to feel like this for a very long time. And to see them kind of switch and just go all in and, and take the leap and, and, you know, join the program, um, I think that's a, a, a great feeling, I, I guess, you know, seeing someone finally take that um, step. So that would be another thing um, would be would be sort of like, I guess you could call it sales, but it's really just having, you know, for me, it just feels like, you know, having conversations with people in the in the DMs. Um, duh, 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 number six, this one's a little bit more about function. So when doing glute kickbacks, why do I sometimes feel it in the opposite glute that I'm working? Okay, so obviously it's hard for me to get like, it'd be better if I had a visual, like an actual video of what your glute kickback looks like to see some specifics on form. Because obviously form would be the issue. But again, it might not even be form because if your 
opposite leg. So the leg, when you're doing glute kickbacks, there's a leg that is planted on the floor. That is your foundation. That is like the part that is, um, you know, the, the structure of the workout or of the movement that's going to allow you to move the other leg smoothly so you can feel the glute that you're supposed to be working. Because obviously the leg that is kicking the cable backwards and actually pushing the weight is the glute that's going through a full range of motion. So when your leg is swung all the way forward and kicking all the way back and up, that glute is going stretched around your hip and then being, you know, shortened again on the way on the actual kickback, right? So that glute should be doing the work. So what, what that's telling me is that if your other glutes doing or getting some work in there, it's that there's a little bit of hip movement. So there's a little bit of swaying on the other side. You know, maybe you're leaning into that leg. It's not planted firmly. Um, you know, maybe your knee is not bent enough. Maybe it's bent too much, but typically if your glute on the other side, that's not being worked is getting worked, then there's some movement there that shouldn't be there. And most likely, I think one of the, one of the, um, common mistakes that I see with a glute kickback is the, the, um, the motion of the upper body. So when someone's bent over into a glute kickback, the, their upper body as they kick back, so their legs kicking this way, their back, this side is coming down and it's swiveling with their back leg. So instead of the glute being closed and, and swinging back and forth and like shortening all the way, that tilt that you have with your upper body is taking away from the contraction that you get from the glute that's trying to be worked. And it's actually causing some motion for the other glute. So most likely there's some upper body movement that's there and maybe a little bit of leaning back and forth on that planted foot. I think the whole foundation of your of your movement needs to be structurally sound so that way the only thing that's moving is that leg that has a strap on it that's pushing the weight. So just check your movement and your swaying and, and all other directions of the glute kickback. That is kind of what I would say is my advice from uh, you know, from not being able to see the actual video. If I had a video, I could probably point it out instantly, but well, come on Siri. All right. Question number seven. When did you get the motivation to keep at the gym? Um, I've never, I've never used motivation. Um, I've always just been fueled by certain things. Um, as far like things, things have motivated me, you know, little different things throughout my entire career of, of going to the gym, but I simply just love it. That's the secret for me is that it's one of my favorite parts of my day. Um, I feel ultra confident when I'm there. I love the feeling of when I get done and what got me started and going to the gym, you know, when I first started going to the gym, actually, or started working out, I wasn't going to a gym. I was actually too scared to go to a gym, not because I thought it was small or because, you know, whatever. I just didn't know what to expect from going to a gym. Like, I didn't know the types of people that went there. I didn't know what kind of equipment they have. I didn't know how to use the equipment. I just was like, there were so many aspects that I just was like, I'm just going to work out from here and learn a little bit. And then I learned enough on my own and eventually got to the gym, but I started working out simply because I was insecure on my 
athletic ability in you know high school sports, right? A little bit was sparked from the way that I look, but most of it was from me, um, you know, just being a bench warmer in sports that I played in high school. So I wanted to try to improve that some somehow, and basically in that process, I just fell in love with. I almost it's almost like I fell in love with how my body was changing when I was really trying to change my athletic ability, my body was changing and I fell in love with that more so than anything. So I, you know, back then I just said, screw sports. I'm just going to work out all of the time. And then that became my obsession. So for me, it's not motivation. It's, it's an obsession. And I, I thoroughly enjoy weightlifting, um, in general. So that is why I, uh, I can do it so often and never get tired of it and never make excuses, you know, and I was saying I've never made an excuse, but I definitely don't make excuses from what I can see most people doing and saying as an excuse. But yeah, I would say it's, it's less of a motivation and more of a passion for me. That would be my answer. Actually, if I had to tack onto that, it would be, you know, being recognized, right? other people recognizing your physical change and other people recognizing work that you're putting in is something that has always, you know, kept me going, right? Even with my my coaching business when I first started online, it was like when other people started recognizing that like, you know, I was self-sufficient or I didn't have any other side jobs or you know, just the results that people like that I post online, getting feedback from other people being like, I can't believe, you know, you are where you are from where you started and things like that, that fuels me to kind of keep going. And it's like, what, what else can I accomplish? And I'm always excited to see what else is out there for me to do and and to uh, achieve. Okay. So the last one, question number eight, what is your favorite client story? Um, now, it's harder for me to think of stories from clients, you know, online. Cause like I said earlier, personal training versus online coaching is very different. You know, with personal training, there's more of a personal touch. You know, you're in person having conversations about life for an hour, let's say every single day or most days of the week versus online coaching. You know, you might chat with them online a few times a week. You know, you have a check-in with them and you know there's there's not as much personal talk as there is mostly just about you know the plan the struggles how to overcome them the changes we're making and here's what we're going to do and it's all talk about the um you know the actual coaching you know when you when you're doing personal training you get a lot of you know stories and you get to know the person a little bit on a deeper level and one of the stories that I do remember was a client that was in his 70s um you know and he was at this it was just sort of like his transformation it was like he came in he had some pretty severe knee problems his knees were almost like starting to deform as he got older and they were like bowing outwards um almost like almost like from his lower body was shaped like a like an oval and obviously couldn't walk at a very fast pace couldn't really bend his knees down to like sit and stand up on his own, let alone even go down and upstairs. So everything was very, very challenging. And um, it's kind of like everything was very basic that we would do to help him. But he really just needed some some guidance into 
strengthening overall. But to see him go from, you know, needing help down the stairs to like get into the gym to, you know, eventually coming into the gym on his own and getting on the treadmill and getting on the bike and doing those things on his own. I think that was like absolutely incredible. And then he also wrote me a, um, he just gave me a card with like this big written thing inside of it, you know, just kind of thanking me for everything. But, you know, it's just like the work that I did to, to get him there was very simple, very basic, very, you know, very easy, but it's incredible how much something so simple uh, can affect somebody's life like that and basically gave him, you know, some the capabilities within his knees back, right? Gave him full capability to sit down in a chair and stand back up, you know, even to the point where he was pretty much doing lunges before, you know, and, and going up and down stairs. And it's, you know, it's incredible, you know, just seeing somebody who's physically incapable going to the point where they're pretty much, you know, back to being your average old guy. <laughs> so that's one of my favorite stories. And that just kind of comes with, comes to mind. There's been lots of good um, stories, you know. But anyways, guys, I really appreciate um, all of the questions that you've had here. Um, hopefully, you guys got some value from these questions. And again, before I end this podcast off, hopefully you've entered the giveaway. If you haven't, go do so right now. Share to your story. Um, what else? Tag your friends. Every tag is an entry. Tag them on the giveaway post, which you're going to see should be posted by now. Um, and and make sure you are following Save by the Dumbbell podcast. And on that Instagram too, you'll see that I post lots of clips from all the episodes. So if you ever miss any episodes, you can go to the Instagram and get some key points, get some clips from each and every episode. I try to post like two or three clips from each episode, you know, after it's been released. So anyways, have an amazing day, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Here's to another great year of podcasting and who knows where things will go, right? Maybe things will change and anyways, have an amazing day. Peace out. Stay blessed. Peace again. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>